Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. Like the man said, I'm your gracious and humble host, Jonathan Wiegand, the anchorman of the Federation, the doctor of Dilithium. And today, on Valentine's Day, am I the doctor of love, Luna? Luna the intern, everybody. No, okay. That was lame intro. I'm sorry. <laughs> so just to kind of a recap, a couple of years ago, we did a podcast episode on like the top romances in all of Trek. And like I just mentioned 10 seconds ago, this is Valentine's Day. So we were like, let's do a little fun romance. But instead of romance, how about bromance and womance? And I'm not going to lie. I actually had to Google the opposite side of bromance. What is what is the female version of bromance? And it apparently is womance. Womanance. <laughs> I don't know, but that's we're going to go with that. So we're going to cover the top Star Trek bromances and womances today. So thank you so much for listening. And we also have a big uh, milestone today on the podcast. We have reached our fourth year behind the golden OPP microphone here. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of the years. I It's been nothing but a joy and a just such a pleasant escape sometimes from real life, whether it's with work or the real world out there and politics and wars and all this kind of nonsense. It's good to kind of just retreat into some good old comfort trek, as I call it. So thank you so much for listening and being around and, and making this podcast possible. I don't know about you, Luna, but I've literally probably had maybe six or seven smarty things today. Yeah. So I accidentally gave my son, I don't know, 40 or 50 Smarties. But this container had like, uh, I don't know, it, it didn't look like it could contain that many. And then when I opened it up this morning for him, I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of candy. So I like, of course, took some because he doesn't need to be having that much sugar. That's ridiculous. I'll eat it. <laughs> so I, I've, I'm really hopped up. So just be prepared. A lot of sugar rushers on this episode, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And without further ado, Luna, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. You might be asking yourself, what is a bromance? What is a womance? And it's plainly and simply just a very strong bond of two people of the same sex. That's all it is. I will have to say bromances and womances are very important. I've had my life shaped for the better by some of my lifelong friends, as I call them, family. But there's definitely bromances there. I I can't imagine what I would be like without them. Just their support. They're just pushing me to be a better person whether it be through in, in my work life, my family life, my spiritual life, always pushing me to be better and not in an aggressive way, but just a, hey, I can do it. 
you can do it, let's do it together type of of atmosphere. And, and I love that. And it's so encouraging. And it's very hard because, you know, finding the right bromance and finding the right womance, it's very difficult. It's almost like dating. Like you have to like talk to these people and be like, okay, you're kind of weird. Not my weird, but your weirdness isn't vibe with my weirdness. So we're just going to kind of break off. That's fine, but it, it's it's a rare thing. So when you find it in life, hold on to it. That's just a kind of a recap of bromances and womances and, and a little bit about me. But today we're going to start off with the bromances before we get into the womances. <laughs> I feel like if I have a quarter for every time I say that, I might end the episode very wealthy. So, of course, the number one, and I have to do this out of just respect for the overall series and fandom of Star Trek, is Captain Kirk and, and Spock. Like, that is the original bromance in all of Star Trek. It has laid the foundation for all bromances and bromances to come after it. And it's the super dry, witty Spock versus the very emotional, very flamboyant, very can sometimes be over-the-top, impulsive Captain Kirk. They vibe together. They work really well. They, I mean, they've given us a, some of the best moments in all of the series, in all of the fandom, especially Wrath of Khan, and then in Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. It just kind of makes me feel like, okay, no matter what our differences are, there's a mutual respect there, and an understanding there that kind of can transcend any major differences we have. And, and that, to me, really embodies the essence of the quote-unquote Star Trek spirit. So I, I just have to give a tip of the cap to the OGs. Probably not going to comment too much on it. I mean, everybody knows about them as is. And I have some personal favorites that we're going to get into and I'm really excited about. Definitely want to give my credit where credit is due. So moving on, like I said, moving to my favorite bro- bromance personally, and that has to be Julian Bashir and Miles O'Brien. I mean, this, talk about just the idealistic Dr. Bashir. You know, he, he's head in the clouds, over the top. He thinks he can be a super spy. Nothing can stop him. He can talk to any woman, whatever. And then you have this more grounded union man, every man chief miles o'brien and it's just to me one of the highlights of deep space nine watching their relationship develop watching their romance develop and just how they kind of go off of one another and they build their i wouldn't say life together but they they definitely build their their time on the station and it's great especially you know as they get older and i think it's season seven where they start building the Alamo recreation and they do the holodeck famous battles. And I I was like, this is something that I would love to do with, with, with my bromances is like, if they lived in the same cities that I did, we would definitely probably have maybe not the Alamo, but there might be a risk board that goes on for three months or whatever. Yeah. I personally just get so much. It's just funny to see and, and develop it's one of my favorites and I'm sure I'm not alone in that because of the banter and it's just kind of more of a brings a lot of relatable moments into the series which in DS9 is very hard to do moving on to the next great bromance of course we can't talk about bromances 
without talking about these two these two cats and that of course is Tom Paris and the forever ensign Harry Kim and these and these dudes are Robert Duncan McNeil and Harry Wang are real bromance in real life too so it just even adds to it even more when you watch the show from the very beginning of Voyager you know they they kind of have this close friendship they're supporting each other through the ship's many challenges. They're trying to go out with the Delaney sisters and all this kind of hijinks and, and whatever. And, and then Captain Proton develops later into season four and season five. And to me, seeing Paris, is, he's very kind of, I don't know, comedy relief, very schemy, always trying to work around. And, and then on the flip side, you have Harry Kim, who's very Starfleet, very by the book, very cautious approach. And it kind of highlights their bonds. I think it's interesting that this is the third bromance we're talking about, but there's an underlying theme in all the bromances, and that is that they have this opposite side. And maybe that's just because it's good television, but sometimes in real life it's that way too. Like, I have a lot of friends who are very dynamic and very outgoing and can sell ice to an Eskimo, and then there's me, and I'm like, I can be sometimes, but normally I'm more of a quiet introvert. I like to keep to myself and it just it's just good to have that because they can bring out sides of you that don't normally get out and so I think that's cool and I think it's good and I think that's healthy so I, it's sometimes the bromances aren't identical copies of you but just might be you but just a little bit different <laughs> it's kind of like 18 different versions of yourself maybe that's a good way to put it next of course I don't I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up, and that's and that's gonna be Benjamin Sisko and Dax. Now the Dax part could see people being like, "Well, John, Dax is a woman, Jadzia Dax, but the symbiote inside of her is Curzon Dax, which Sisko knew, and so his old friend Dax, he would grew up with him, did all these kind of crazy adventures, shenanigans." Uh, sexcapades, I guess it sounds like. And now you have Jadzia, who's on the station, who's this, you know, quiet, super intellectual woman and very smart. And so you see this friendship kind of develop. To me, I think it's a bromance. And it could technically be a, a womance too. I don't know, because it's a trill. So they, they have like six or seven lifetimes inside of their body. And it can go on and on and on. It's a fun, I would love the fact of have, having your best friend, if they unfortunately pass away, then coming back into another person's body, it's a different person, but then it's still like have their all experiences. Like Cisco calls Dax old man because he's like, oh, that's what I called Curzon. And it spans many lifetimes and years. And, and it just offers just a very unique perspective on friendship that we don't really get too much in Star Trek. You know, it these friendship or that particular friendship spans lifetimes and it's not congruent to just one. So I like it personally. I, it's one of my favorite romances. And I love the fact at the beginning, everybody was like, are they going to date? I, I just love the joke because imagine your best friend, whoever you are, picture your best friend. And then imagine that that best friend got put in the opposite sex person's body and they were super attractive would you go out with them would you try to have romance with them that's a tough thing to say because you know i don't think i could do it like that'd be super weird bro like it's like 
ah, oh, like, yeah, but like, it's it's a very conflicting thing. So I would just, I don't, yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, I just, I just could not do it. Now, could I still be friends with them? Like, Cisco is with Dax, and yeah, totally. Like, that's cool. Like, awesome. But no, could not pursue romance. Now, I'm that I maybe that's just me. It's my cup of tea. So that is what it is. So. <laughs> Another fun kind of non-traditional bromance we have, and I, I would say it's more of an odd couple, but it, it is a fan favorite. And that is Tuvok and Neelix on Voyager. Now, some people would say, Jonathan, that is not a bromance. Okay, that is not traditional bromance in any way, shape, or form. They're not even friends. Tuvok doesn't even acknowledge Neelix, wants nothing to do with Neelix. It's just this meh. I think that that is a incorrect perspective. I think you can tell throughout, you know, the seven season Voyager and especially as Neelix develops into his own character arc, getting outside of the poopy lack of a better word, Kess storyline. I think it's, he's being able to develop into his own person and, and his own interests and getting into security. And I love that. It's just kind of this banter between them all the time. Plus, you could qualify it a bromance because they actually turn into the same person. You can't be closer than that. They turn into Tuvix. I always think of Twix when I think of Tuvix. I don't know. They he, they get turned into Tuvix, and of course Janeway kills him. <laughs> she commits cold-blooded murder. Let's let's not let's not mince words here. And so we have them become their own per like one person and at the end of the episode they split back into their own individuals but i just i just love the banter especially at the end when when neelix is going off the ship of voyager and he finally sees tuvok dance like that to me signifies and qualifies a hey, we're kind of a bromance you know they like it like tuvok may act like he hates when he's eating his soup and playing with his uh, Vulcan mind games, and he sees Neelix come across, you know, the mess hall, and be like, oh, no. Like, he's happy. Like, he likes that, and that kind of interaction. That's my opinion, so that's what I think. Again, let me know what you what you uh, have to say about it, if I'm wrong, if you're like, no, that's terrible, Tuvok hates Neelix, you're just reading too much into things. That's fine. Please let me know. And to wrap up the bromances here, and it's not a very popular one, and it's it's from not the most popular series, and that is Jonathan Archer and Trip Tucker the Third. This friendship between Captain Archer and his chief engineer is just to have this very like strong bond from years before they ever like got onto the Enterprise, the NX01 Enterprise. And to me, I think that's just a fun thing because it's like again, you have your best friend, somebody you watch water polo with which is like the weirdest sport that they would pick. Like they didn't pick soccer to make Jonathan Archer a fan of. They picked water polo, not just any water polo, college water polo. So, <laughs> okay. And I, I, I mean, I've watched water polo during the Olympics at two 30 in the morning and it seems fun. It seems legit, but I, I just think it was like really out of the, out of the hat kind of random. But so they bond over sports and they bond over this um, kind of, Starfleet's or even before Starfleet this desire to explore deep space and kind of stick it to the Vulcans and they kind of have a lot of these shared adventures at the beginning before they even get 
on enterprise. So it's even more cemented in the future. So I, I just love that relationship and it's a fun one kind of seeing them both again, walk that fine line between being besties and then also captain Archer being captain and trip being chief engineer. So it's a good, it's a good balance between the two. To me, that that's kind of the top bromances. There there were a lot that I wanted to put on here, like uh, Captain Picard and Riker. I, I would say the one that is an honorable mention again is still Brashear, maybe Garrick. But as we've learned now, after the show's been out, and they're, it, it's not really a bromance. It's actually for Garrick an actual romance. So the Cardassian love slave is up and running. <laughs> Oh, and also, of course, Data and LaForge, Data and Jordy. Like, that's also a big bromance. You know, it's very heartwarming, and it's Jordy's helping uh, Data kind of understand humanity. And it's just, it's a beautiful friendship that's not drawn on species line. Now, on to the womances. Now, when I did this episode and thought of this idea, or I shouldn't say thought, I have to give credit to my beautiful wife. She actually came up with this idea probably like months ago. Probably around Christmas time, she came up with the idea to do the best bromances and kind of friendships in Star Trek for Valentine's Day. So I have to give a shout out to her for coming up with the idea. But I was like, well, why not just stop at bromance? Why not womances? Because there are a lot of great female relationships in Star Trek too, just as much as the men. So I was like, we can't leave them out because that's a lot of really great content. And they also, the other reason I didn't want to make this a two-parter episode. I did that last time with the top five best and top five worst relationships. I was like, those are romantic relationships. These are friendships. So it's different. <laughs> so we're, we're going to get into the, the ladies here. And I, I just think there's so many memorable ones and they, they explore a lot of themes of supporting one another solidarity unique challenges by having women in leadership and that leadership being in high stress environments but to me there's some of the most notable female relationships and and, and romances in star trek there's just plentiful so the first one to me i think is is just the og it's it's the best one and if you can guess we're talking about the great dancing doctor, Beverly Crusher, and Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. This is probably one of the most significant female relationships in all of Star Trek. In the original series, we really didn't get too much. I mean, there was some with like Nurse Chapel and Yohora. There was there was a little bit, you know, their, their interactions are pretty much less developed if you kind of look at TNG and, and the gold the silver age of Star Trek and on like it's just not as much but it's still that's one of the earliest examples of this camaraderie but to me I feel like Crusher and Troy really take that baton from the original series and they run with it whether it be through relationships and specifically think about the time that Crusher got with the Trill and that time we didn't know anything about the symbiote, so we're like, what the heck is this thing inside of him? That was kind of wild, and of course, passing it on to Troy, and, and that she met somebody, and it, I just think that's fun to see. And I think it also has a very strong female support and role model, especially in Troy when she decides to um, follow Crusher's command. Or I wouldn't say command, but follow Crusher's ambition 
in doing and getting her bridge, I guess, certification. So in that episode in TNG, Dr. Crusher says, well, I kind of want to get my bridge certification just for me and so that I have it. And then it's it's kind of a badass thing to have is that you can run the bridge in any type of situation and you have to get tested on it. And Crusher did it so she can be captain, you know, I guess during the night shift or maybe when it's not as busy. I don't know what the, the schedules are on starships, but she she's qualified. She's certified to do it. Troy likes that. And he's like, oh, that's cool. I might try it. Troy pushes herself and pushes herself and eventually gets it. Kind of circles back to what I mentioned earlier in the episode is that some of these friendships in life do that. Like you see your, your buddies pushing themselves, going beyond their comfort zone and then hearing them, supporting them. You're like, yeah, that's kind of cool. I may want to try that. And then it's kind of like this cyclical like cycle where it's just you, you support one another and you push one another forward. And if not, no big deal. Like you're still going to be loving. You're still going to be friends, but it's kind of cool. And I, I always love that particular scene between Troy and Crusher when they kind of support each other. So again, probably the strongest female support relationship in Star Trek, in my opinion. Now that's a heavy hitter, Crusher and Troy. A next big heavy hitter is of course, again, second time on the list here, we have Jadzia Dax and Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine. Now talk about two cats from vastly different back backgrounds, vastly different personalities, but they're very good friends. I mean, we have this Trill science officer. I mean, he's had a challenging life becoming a symbiote and getting approved and joining Starfleet. And then you have Kira, who's literally this rebellion hero and, and been fighting Cardassians and the, and the wilderness and getting her and fighting for her planet's freedom from this terrible occupation. And they somehow just spark up a deep and meaningful romance between the two of them. And it's, it's, again, kind of the same thing where they're not really pushing themselves prior to be ambitious, but they're just, it's a good sounding off board because there's a lot of male roles in DS9, but there's, this is probably the most significant female uh, friendship and female's roles in DS9. So I definitely love that they get highlighted a bunch and it's not just sitting at the replomat talking and eating it's talking about their ups and downs their relationships their failures their good times and bad times that really love to see the kind of exploration of this complex female everything besides Troy and Crusher my, my favorite and definitely number two on the list even from like I think we we're talking about this on the last podcast episode on the review or maybe in episode four Jadzia is like, oh, I have to be used to being a woman again because I'm not used to getting all this attention. It seems weird, etc. And she's kind of confiding in Kira. So even from the very beginning of the series, we see these little seedlings and plantings coming along. The next one uh, might might be kind of debatable, but I would say it didn't start out the best. To be honest, that they've definitely have a nuanced friendship and they may not be the best 
at the beginning, but they definitely at the end, I feel like, you know, get a little chummy at the end. And I think that's good. And I, I'm talking about Bellana Taurus and Seven of Nine. So if you're driving, be careful because that might have been a shock. <laughs> the relationship couldn't have started off worse between the two. You have Seven of Nine doing whatever the heck she wants, going in and just rearranging crap in these Jeffrey tubes, causing Bellana Taurus all these issues. Bellana runs engineering very well and very tightly and tightly a word very it's a very tight ship that's what i'm trying it's a very tight ship and so you have this rogue just borg who doesn't really know how to do anything by starfleet procedures and rules and yeah they just have to adapt there's one episode in particular i'm thinking about in the beginning of season four voyager where they're in a jeffrey's tube and seven of nine just can't seem to get it right that you know she is constantly like coming at odds with Janeway, coming at odds with all of these interactions with people. And Taurus kind of offers her like a olive branch and saying, Hey, I remember what it was like because what it's like to be, you know, I was Maquis and people really didn't like me and people didn't want me to have chief engineer. They wanted this other guy. And, and it's just kind of, I had a battle too. And I had to get to know these policies and procedures as well and it's growing pains but i make it and if anybody can make it you can and so i think that was very sweet because if you think of i was as i was writing out the script for this episode and talking with my team they have very similar storylines if you think about it so you have a board coming onto the ship she's really uncertain doesn't know if anybody really wants her there it's very awkward very difficult to integrate into the into the crew and make friends and then the same thing with Bellana. you know she comes on she's maquis it's very difficult to integrate into starfleet it's very difficult to get into that command structure and, and that reporting and she makes bumps a lot of heads and and kind of rattles janeway's cage just like seven of nine does so i think there that between the two they have this base level of understanding and growth between the two of them and that they can relate to that and you see that multiple times throughout the series and that they eventually kind of rely on one another and they count on one another and they respect you know all of their talents that they have so it's 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 a great romance (laughs) but not one you may think of but personally i like and moving on sticking with voyager and again seven of nine is coming on the list but we're talking about Seven of Nine and Janeway. And this may not be a friendship in the traditional sense. It's more of a mentor mentor relationship. But I think it evolves into a very deep and complex bond between the two of them. Um, Janeway's role in, in Seven's rehabilitation and, and adaption to human life showcases, you know, this very nice blend of leadership and then maternal care and then eventually friendship. And it's just a very rich layer on the onion of Voyager because it it deals with a lot. The conversations between the two of them deal with so much and so much heavy material. Now, sci-fi is best when it can comment on real life without you, without hitting you over the head in such a, a over the top way. So it can comment on social issues and comment on personal issues and not be 
obnoxious about it. And their Janeways and Sevens discussions on identity, autonomy, humanity are world class. Now, we don't have the time to go deep dive in every single one of them, but I would highly recommend if you haven't watched Voyager to watch Voyager. Janeway and Seven is probably very pivotal in the growth and acclaim of Voyager, in my opinion. Seven turns out to be one of the greatest Star Trek arcs and characters of all time. I love how she started off and then where she ended. Now, the funny thing is on the flip side, we know that at the very beginning, Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan didn't really get along that well. Of course, they bared the hatch and moved on ever since. But still, that even adds another complex layer because, the you know, on screen, it's at some points, I imagine, was very difficult to work with uh, if they weren't getting along behind the camera. But either way. And I have to mention as our last womance and as our last bromance and womance for the show we're gonna we're gonna deep dive we're gonna get in that barrel of enterprise we're gonna get some people off the nx01 if everyone's ready for this we're gonna talk about T'Pol and hoshisato and this relationship you know T'Pol is the vulcan science officer of the nx01 enterprise and, and hoshi sato is the communications officer it's, it's not as predominantly featured, I will say, as some of the other bromances on the ship, just to be frank. Again, it's very male-dominated in some areas of Star Trek, but I, I feel like this is a very great relationship. It's um, Their interactions and their glimpses with one another are, are fun and very lighthearted, and it's kind of good to see them kind of develop their relationship and build over the four years on the bridge together. It's fun to see these two deal with challenges and then triumph past it. Perfect example is when an episode in Enterprise when Hoshi can't get the universal translator to work and so she has to do it by, you know, just manually and go by the seat of her pants. And, you know, T'Pol is very encouraging. She's with her, calms her down and I, I just think it's it's a great relationship that, you know, if Enterprise went a full seven-year slate as a Star Trek tradition, I think it would have definitely been highlighted and grown. And if you're saying, Jonathan, you really can't grow that much of a romance between season five and season seven, I would say, well, look at Jane Wayne Seven, who we just got done talking about. Seven comes in season four of Voyager, and look how it ends. So it definitely could have been very impactful and I think, I think it's definitely on the list, one of the best. And if you haven't watched Enterprise, go check it out. Every Star Trek fan should watch it just so you can watch the opening clip. I'm just saying. <laughs> opening song. It's not a clip. Opening song. Because we've got Faith of the Heart. That's right, Luna. So to wrap up, these, these friendships and these relationships, I think, are key components of the Star Trek quote-unquote universe showcases the franchise's commitment to diversity and just the complex exploration of interpersonal dynamics. It provides the viewer a lot of examples, a lot of great inspirational examples of loyalty, respect, and mutual support among all the sexes. And it's great to see them in various situations, whether that's stressful or not stressful. It's fun to see, and it's what makes the show. Like, having a great bromance or womance on Star Trek 
is what makes the show good. Hence, look at DS9. There was so many I had to leave off for DS9 because the whole the whole freaking list would have been DS9. But I had to leave a lot off. I mean, there's Quark and Morn. There's Quark and Odo. I there, there it could have just kept going on. But I didn't want to keep doing that. Just I wanted to kind of explore all the franchises, you know, not just DS9, even though it's my favorite. Thank you so much for listening to our Valentine's Day episode. It has been fun deep diving the bromances and womances with you. But Luna, let's wrap it up. Like I said, thank you so much for listening. It's been great. I've, again, shout out to uh, my wife for suggesting this. I'm running on Smarties and coffee, probably a terrible combination for my heart, speaking of Valentine's Day. (laughs) And as always, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Mostly spend a lot of our time on Instagram, um, but of course we're available on Twitter, or I guess X, and Facebook, and all of them, except threads. I don't think we're on threads. But definitely feel free to reach out. We love talking with you guys. Let me know what you think. Who's your favorite bromance or romance in uh, Star Trek? So just remember to take care of yourselves out there. I know sometimes Valentine's Day can be hard, uh, but remember you're important, you're needed, and you're wanted here. So we love to have you around. And as always, second star to the right, straight on till morning.